I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Those are the first six verses of Psalm 18, the first 20 verses of which are the psalm appointed for today, Thursday, August the 26th, 2021. So we're uh, looking at the life of Solomon in 1 Kings uh, 3, 16 to 28. We're in the book of Acts, looking at, at the end of Paul's story. Um, in Acts 27, 27 to 44, and then the Gospel of Mark, um, chapter 14, verses 12 to 26. So here we are. Uh, Solomon's beginning his career, and, he, and remember yesterday, he had prayed for wisdom. The Lord asked him, he said, ask anything of me and I'll give it to you. And, he, and so Solomon said, I need wisdom to rule this people. And so the Lord said, all right, I'm going to give you that because you asked for the right thing so that you would have the wisdom and understanding to know good from evil. So he said, I'm going to give you everything else in addition to that. I'm going to give you riches and, and long life. So here we, we see uh, on display one of the first evidences of this wisdom that Solomon prayed for that he received. And as two prostitutes come to him and, and stand before him, and one of them tells the story, right? Oh, my Lord, the woman and I, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. And we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. So she's drawing parameters around this thing and saying, there's nobody else who can attest to this. It was just the two of us. We were alone. There was no one else in the house. Only we two were in the house. I mean, it can't get much more intensive. She, she's ruling out the possibility of anyone else being called as a witness in this case. And so this woman's son, she says, died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. So the other woman says, no, the living child is mine. The dead child is yours. And the first said, no, the dead child is yours. And the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. So it just seems like a, a puzzle that, that there's not really a solution to. They both claim the same thing. One just has a story and the other one just says, nope, that's not the way it is. <clears throat> so the king says, this one says, the son, my son that's alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, your son's dead and my son's the living one. And the king said, just bring me a sword. So they bring him a sword. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one, half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, Oh, my Lord, give her that living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child the first woman, and the, by no means put him to death. She is his mother. So she's the one who told that story. And so all Israel heard of the judgment the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. So it's, you know, to us that might seem like, well, okay, anybody could have come up with that solution. Uh, it's actually less about Solomon's wisdom, it seems, than, than it is about 
uh, this other woman being a moron and saying, go ahead and cut it in half. But no, that's not the case at all. This is this was a, the, the he had to decide this in real time and on the fly. And so he made the perfect decision to expose the lie. That's the that's the reality. He saw something obviously in that first wo woman that bef even before I believe the the sword came that he knew how this would go down. And, and so it, it's a, a wonderful story that that begins the okay it, the king because he's going to be have the wisdom to lead God's people. He, he's able to discern right from wrong, good and evil. I, I believe the decision to do what he did was that what he knew would resolve that dilemma. I believe that he had seen something else. I believe it's that wisdom that's on display here more than the idea <clears throat> itself. So here we go now to the, um, to the gospel lesson. And so it, we're told it's the first day of unleavened bread when they sacrificed the Passover lamb. So his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sends the two, two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Uh, initially, that might seem to you like, well, that, that would be a commonplace, right, to see a guy. If you've ever been in Africa, for instance, where people do carry water from place to place, what you'll notice very quickly is it's not the guys who are carrying water. It's the women who carry the water. And, and that's the reason you see that... Um, the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4 is, is because she, she goes out there with the other women. You know, her husband, the, the men work, the women do these kinds of things. And so when they see a man carrying a jar of water, that's going to stick out to him. So he's going to be easier to figure out than it sounds like. It says, follow him and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house. It's the, the presumption here is that he, he, the one carrying the water, is not the master of the house. Um, and so whenever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? So it's, it seems pretty clear that the expectation is, is that the person whose house they enter by following the man with the water jar is, is going to be someone who knows who the teacher is and who knows who his disciples are. That, that he is, there's a, there's a custom of hospitality in Jerusalem, uh, certainly at this time, when, whenever you had these pilgrim feasts, where people would have a, an extra room in, a room in Jerusalem where the Passover could be eaten because it had to be eaten in Jerusalem. So if you're, if, if we, for your pilgrimage to count, you had to eat it in Jerusalem. So they had places in private homes in Jerusalem that, that were available to guests. And so in this case, it, this great honor is going to be given to this man who's the master of the house, that, that Jesus and his disciples are going to celebrate this Passover there, and so that he would have been thrilled to have them there. And says, after you ask this, he says, he'll show you a large upper room furnished and ready there, prepare for us. And so the disciples set out and went into the city and found it just like he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. So they prepared the Passover Seder meal. Now, that we know that the, the forms and the formulas for Seder meals today are not the same as they were back then, but there, there would have been a, a touchstone. And so what's been developed now would have uh, antecedents in this time. Um, so so we, can, we can extrapolate a little bit from that. And, and um, if you've ever been to a Passover Seder where it's instructed, then, I, um, then you know some of the, the background of, of this. There's a wonderful um, little booklet 
about the Passover Seder and Christ in the Passover, and it's put out by Jews for Jesus. I'd highly recommend it. It's easy to, to get to, but it's called Christ in the Passover. Uh, it's a small booklet, and it's well worth having and reading. I don't know what it costs, but it couldn't be much. But it's but it's a really good thing. Their website, by the way, is also good for a lot of information, but it's Jews for Jesus is the name of it. So <clears throat> they prepared the Passover there, and when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. So one of the twelve, and they began to be sorrowful and say to, to him, one after another, is it I? And he said to him, it's one of the twelve, one who's dipping bread into this dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. So <clears throat> Jesus is saying that we're coming to the end, because he's, he's talking about the Son of Man going. And what he means is his death. And so he's, he's pointing to this. And so they all should have been on high alert that, that we're coming to the end of this thing. And they're, they're sorrowful, it says. But, but then they wondered about one another. Is it I? Is it I? I mean, can, just that, that feeling would be awful. And to, to suddenly hear that it's one of the 12, it speaks well of them that they're asking if it's them. <laughs> um, but it, it's a powerful uh, cloud hanging over the rest of this Passover meal. So they're eating, and he takes bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to him, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup when he had given thanks. He gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And so the, the custom of, of communion is instituted in our tradition we we use these words of institution that jesus spoke as we offer bread and wine to the um to the communicants it's a powerful moment for me always um to, to give communion it, it i always was um sort of blown away at, at the the ability to stand and do that and so when we served in paulie's island at a very large church there i, I made it a point to use your name if I knew it, because I wanted to personalize that experience, not between me and them, but between them and Jesus, that that he knows their name. And so if I'm there in, in any capacity as a shepherd in that congregation, then I'm certainly going to use your name when I give it to you. Um, but, but it's this unbelievably sad thing when Jesus says, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God, <laughs> that there had to be a deep, deep sadness that covered this crowd, and then they sing a hymn, and then they go out to the Mount of Olives. And on Monday, Thursday, when, when we celebrate this same day, um, which is the new commandment, which is to love one another, that when we celebrate this, we um, when we sing a hymn, and then we leave quietly. We we strip the altar of all accoutrement um, and, and put up put black over the the cross, and and then we just slam the door and walk out and we'll walk out in silence and it's the intention for the entire congregation to leave that night in silence in the same way that they would have gone to the Mount of Olives as they left the upper room that day it's it's a powerful thing to to imagine um the heaviness that would have been with them as they went out there after all Jesus had said that night in the uh epistle which is the the book of the acts of the apostles today remember that Paul has been uh, sent to Rome 
after a hearing before um, King Agrippa and Bernice, as well as Festus, who would have been the governor at that time, um, they send him away to Rome because he said that he appealed to Caesar to hear his case. And they said, you know, if he hadn't done that, we just set him free. Well, it wouldn't have been safe, actually, for Paul to be set free because there were these assassins who had determined that they were going to kill Paul. They wouldn't taste food until they did. So they send him on, and now Luke's continuing the sort of travelogue of, of their trip or their journey. And <clears throat> so the 14 days had come, and we were driven across the Adriatic Sea at about midnight. The sailors suspected there was, they were nearing land, so they took soundings and found 20 fathoms, which is about 120 feet. Then a little further on, they did it again. It was 15 fathoms, so it was about 30 feet short, uh, less deep than it had been. And then so they were afraid then that they were, they were making too much here and coming too close. They were afraid they might run onto the rocks, so they let down four anchors and prayed for the day to come. They didn't want to be blown too much, and so they, they made the ship heavier in the water by throwing the four anchors down. So they were trying to s escape the ship. The sailors were. They were going to abandon the ship in all this, and so they lowered the boat into the sea it, under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. So they pretended, and they said, okay, we're going to let out some anchors up here. Um, <clears throat> don't worry about it. And what they were actually doing was letting down the boat, and they were going to escape the ship. And Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you can't be saved. So then they cut the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. I mean, that's the last means of escape. They let it go. Um, they were going to rely on whatever happens. And, and that's kind of what we're called to be, right? We're called to hear the word of the Lord. We're called to believe in it in the same way as they did in cutting loose the ship's boat. I mean, it, we're all going to go down with a ship at this point. So while when day was about to dawn, Paul urges them all to take food. He says, look, it's been 14 days that you've continued in suspense and without food, taking, having taken nothing. I mean, that's unbelievable to, to even think about these guys manning this ship in this storm for 14 days without having anything to eat. He says, therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. Not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And then Paul takes bread, gives thanks to God, breaks it, and began to eat. And they were encouraged and ate some food themselves. And Luke tells us there was 276 people on this ship, so there's a lot of people on there. And when they'd eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. So they already cut the ship's boat loose, their means of escape, and now they throw the wheat, which would have been their food, and which would have been made into cakes and all that, and flour on the ship. That They throw that overboard as well. And so now they don't have anything. So they're completely trusting God in this situation. And they, they, now daylight comes finally. Because remember we were told the sun and the moon were, were darkened and there were, the stars were as well. And so now daylight comes and they see land, but they don't recognize the land that they're coming to. And so then they decided, okay, let's just run the ship ashore in this place. And so they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. In other words, they've lightened the drag in the water. And so now the wind's going to take them wherever. And then they loosened the ropes that tied the rudders, so they're not even going to steer. They're just going to run this thing onto the beach by putting the sails into the wind so that they can <clears throat> run it aground, and, and they did. <laughs> they unfortunately struck a reef and then ran the vessel aground, and the, the bow was stuck and remained immovable, and the stern, which is just hanging out there behind, was being broken up by the surf. The 
the soldiers come up with a plan now. Are we going to kill all the prisoners because we don't want any of them to swim away and escape? Because what will happen then is you're responsible for them. And if those prisoners escape, you will be killed as well. And so, But the centurion just wanted to save Paul. He kept him from carrying out the plan and then managed to get the rest safely to land. It's a powerful story, and it's all about faith. And, and, and what we see is is that, that these people originally, remember in the last lesson, Paul was telling them, don't go. Don't go. It's the wrong time of year to sail. Don't do this. But they listened to the captain and the pilot. And, and now they're listening to Paul. They're listening to this man who had told them initially, you shouldn't do this, and who has uh, assured them that God's going to spare their lives. That They're listening to Paul as their leader, this prisoner has now become essentially the leader of this 276 people that are on this boat this day. It's an amazing thing. But but if you can keep your head and keep your faith when everything around you is going to pieces, people will follow you. And that's who we're called to be. We're called to have that kind of, of, of wisdom, the kind of wisdom that Solomon had in being able to sort out a solution to this thing. We're called to keep our heads about us and keep our heads in the game. We're called to constantly be in prayer in these situations in order that the Lord might show us the way that we can come through those situations, not just ourselves, but also others who will hear our wisdom and our strength and our faith and who will follow us to a place of safety in that way, just as the disciples followed Jesus to the end and ultimately found their place of safety in eternal life and they no longer sought safety in this world they simply trusted him and that's who we're called to be as well